Greek life, something all students will experience or at least hear about while they're in college. It all started in 1776 at the College of William and Mary, where the first fraternity, Pi Beta Kappa, was founded. But the perception of fraternities mostly comes from 1978's film Animal House, with the rowdy and fun crowd of Delta Tau Chi, or even Neighbors, a film that depicts party culture involving drugs and alcohol. But recently, Penn State has been faced with an incident that relates more to 2016's GOAT, a film that focuses on the brutal hazing that takes place in these organizations. However, if we're not actually part of Greek life, we have a very minimal understanding of what actually happens within it. Luckily, David Smith, a member of Alpha Delta Phi at Penn State University, provides us with an inside perspective of what it's like to go from rushing to pledging to becoming a president of his fraternity. We then sat down with Evelyn and Jim Piazza, the parents of Timothy Piazza, who died at the Penn State chapter of Beta Theta Pi during a rush event. Between Dave and the Piazzas, we compare and contrast experiences sitting at diametric opposites of a nationwide issue, hazing. I'm Seb Carmine. And I'm Fred Cullen. And this is State of the Party. first step to joining any Greek life organization is rushing. Rushing, um, that's kind of like the slang term for for the way that a lot of fraternities recruit, as well as sororities, but uh, their process is a little different from ours. But the way it works for fraternities is basically during the recruitment process, recruitment period, we basically open our houses up, typically start with what we call a zone day. This process kind of differs a little bit at every university, but at Penn State, basically on certain days, each fraternity opens their doors basically for like eight, two or three hours. You should order pizza, you know, guys are listening to music, shooting hoops, doing whatever, throwing a football around. Um, basically, prospective members, they'll come in, they'll introduce themselves. It's kind of a way just to get to know people. It's like a, so it's like a what we call a dry event. There's no alcohol involved. Um, and then if, you know, you make a good impression or if we like you, it's or almost everyone will get invited to an, a following event. So we'll get there, we'll exchange information. Then we have what's called rush events. So these can be events from like a poker night or socials like or parties. Basically invite the new the prospective members to events to kind of see what they're like in like a social situation. And, and it allows them the chance to both get to know us and also for us to get to know them. So this process lasts, I'd say, about two weeks. It, again, it's different schools. It kind of varies in terms of length and what you're allowed to do. Um, at Penn State, we're not allowed to have alcohol at recruitment events or and new and prospective members aren't allowed to be served alcohol. You're usually given like a wristband that basically, you know, and you have to register through the okay. fraternity council. So, or what we call IFC. Basically they're the, they're, they kind of govern fraternities. It's where we are allowed self-governance at Penn state. Um, but obviously in light of recent events, there's been much more oversight, but basically they issue, basically you register online. You have to first you have to be eligible to join a fraternity. So at Penn state, you have to have um, at least I believe 14 credits, and you have you cannot be your first semester. So even if you can't come in with like 18 credits, you can't join your first semester. Um, and you also have to be in good academic standing. Can't have any conduct violations. Outstanding. Uh, a recruitment event where they basically explain the process, explain you know some basic outliers, things they're not they're not allowed to do. It's just kind of outlining like here's how the rush process works. Here's what here's what happens. How they extend bids. Here's, okay. and here's what you do once. So 
So then once you make it through the recruitment process, if a fraternity wants you to join, they basically vote. Each fraternity has kind of their own internal procedures on how they decide. So pledging, it's learning about the secrets of the fraternity, learning about its founders, learning about, you know, your chapter's history, basically like engaging to know all the brothers. And that's really important because, you know, you're going to be a part of this fraternity. You're going to be a part of this brotherhood. It's important to understand, you know, everything about it. And like, are you going to be a good fit? So very prestigious chapters. You can even make it to pledging. You can make it be five weeks in. If they don't think you have what it takes, they can drop you. Like, you are allowed to drop members if they, yeah. you know, if say if they're a major liability. Most fraternities, or almost all of them, you know, they're very conscious of, like, is this person going to be a good representation of us? Right. So the, pl- the pledging process, it's also to evaluate them. It's like, do you deserve to be a brother? And so going through that, like, obviously, you got to clean the house. You know, you kind of have to earn your stripes. Our process was very, I would say, we didn't hasten during our process. Other chapters, I obviously can't speak now. There was hazing that goes on. I'm sure it still happens here. Like, and it's something I think is wrong. And, and honestly, I don't think that really builds brotherhood. It's people that can't make good decisions, like, the, and that they forget why they joined, or they, you know, they they just want to abuse and hurt others. They're ruining it for all the people that do join for the right reasons. While Dave did not experience excessive hazing in his own fraternity, the problem clearly still exists. For some, hazing is seen as a rite of passage or initiation even if the acts can be fatal. But there is one specific morning that Dave will always remember, where he learned just how fatal hazing could actually be. He had received a message from a member of the IFC. The member of the IFC seemed a little off, and Dave sensed that something within the fraternities had happened. But what he didn't expect was that the worst had happened. Something happened at Beta Theta Pi last night. Like I, I, There's kind of when the situation was breaking, like he said like a kid was a pledge was really hurt bad and like they like it hadn't really dawned on everyone yet and then it's like he said i think the kid might have died like that's kind of where, where and then he, we kind of just it was like holy shit according to the court report on the night of february 2nd 2017 beta theta pi was hosting their spring 2017 bid acceptance night timothy piazza and 13 other pledges were then instructed to run the gauntlet a hazing ritual which consists of multiple stations where they would have to chug vodka shotgun beers, and chug again from a bag of wine, all while running up and down stairs to the various stations, which would cause Tim to eventually have a fatal fall from those same stairs. After Tim had fallen, the Bader brothers were seen on surveillance video, carrying and then slamming Tim into the couch, slapping him, punching him, and pouring beer on him, all while he was unresponsive. Tim is later seen attempting to get up, falling into walls in the house, and rocking back and forth on his knees, clearly in pain throughout the night. Tim would fall down another flight of stairs and hit his head on concrete, knocking him unconscious once again. The brothers found a cold and gray Tim Piazza at the bottom of the flight of stairs early the next morning and would argue about the extent of his injuries for about 40 minutes before deciding to call 911. Tim was pronounced dead the next day at the Hershey Medical Center, suffering from brain injuries and a life-threatening splenic laceration draining 80% of Tim's blood into his abdomen. On March 27th, 2018, the Timothy J. Piazza anti-hazing law was unanimously approved in the Pennsylvania State Senate by the PA Judiciary Committee. The bill serves as both an in-memoriam of and response to the death of Timothy Piazza, who lost his life pledging the Beta Theta Pi fraternity at Penn State. Piazza's parents, Jim and Evelyn, helped introduce this, part of their ongoing crusade against hazing in the wake of their son's death. We had the opportunity to speak to the Piazzas regarding Tim, beginning with the night of his death. Can you walk me through how you found out Tim had died? Initially, my older son called us to let us know that Tim had been in an accident. 
Um, Tim's roommate had called him to say that he didn't come home the night before and that wasn't like him. So Mike decided that something was wrong and called the hospital. And that's how he found out where his brother was. Um, and then uh, we, on our way to Hershey Medical Center, called the police and they really didn't have much information for us except for the fact that he had been drinking and he fell down the stairs once, maybe twice. And after that, we really, we didn't get a good picture of what had, had actually happened until we got the grand jury presentation in May. Mm -hmm. And so the, from, from what I understand what happened is that they were doing a, some kind of a gauntlet that involved them um, drinking a lot of different types of alcohol. Yeah, that's right. They 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 made the uh, they sent them they sent all the, the pledges a text message and said you know be here at nine oh seven or something like that with your uh, with your blazer on your wristbands covered um, and you know when they got there they immediately put them through this obstacle drinking obstacle course of drinking they, that they referenced or they called the gauntlet, which, you know, in itself has a, has a name that, that calls out a challenge. Um, and, you know, during that period of time between the gauntlet and then um, after the obstacle course, uh, it continued um, downstairs where they were sticking drinks and bottles of vodka and wine bags in their face. Mm -hmm. he, he, on, on video, he had 18 drinks in 82 minutes. That's what we saw on video. Um, we don't know if he had any drinks outside of what was on video, but, um, but he had 18 drinks in, in less than an hour and a half on video. So it was, mm -hmm. it was a lot. Even if Tim hadn't consumed more than 18 drinks, his blood alcohol content was estimated to be around 0.4 after he had gone through Beta Theta Pi's gauntlet. That's five times the U.S. legal limit of 0.08. A lot of factors played into Tim's death. However, it began with a hazing incident designed to get the pledges extraordinarily intoxicated. Tim, who had pledged previously without receiving a bid, had a full plate that semester as an engineering student. Based on his schedule and the experiences of his roommates when they had pledged before, his parents were fairly certain that he wasn't even going to pledge in the spring. Take me back to when um, your son told you guys that he was joining a fraternity. Were you guys um, supportive of that? Were you wary, um, indifferent? Well, he had rushed the prior year, um, and as I understand it, uh, he didn't get any bids, but he also really wasn't willing to do, um, I guess, everything they wanted him to do at the rush events. Uh, and then in his sophomore year, we, you know, he came home for winter break. We went to the Rose Bowl. He did mention he was thinking about doing it again, but he wasn't sure. And it was just kind of like, well, be smart. you got a lot of other things going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at one time he thought about going out to be the, the Nittany Lion. He thought about being a Lion ambassador. Um, so he was thinking about doing a lot of different things, but he mentioned it and I just, you know, I just said, be smart, but we really didn't talk about it that much because I, I really didn't think he was going to do it because his, his brother was kind of against it and, right. and, uh, 
from what he saw from some of his roommates that pledged. Um, he didn't he didn't like what what they did and what they went through, so he wouldn't pledge their fraternities. Right. So I just really didn't think he was going to do it. So we we really didn't spend a lot of time talking about, you know, it. I mean, at least I didn't. Um, Plus, his engineering program was really tough, and we really didn't think he'd have the time to yeah. contribute towards it. Did you ever like uh, express any um, worries to him about that whole process? Uh, I mean, you know, because he, he told us like some of the stuff that his roommates had to go through and you know he said i'm not doing that yeah you know i don't want to do so i just said look be smart you know but we really we I, as i said i really just didn't think he was the right fit i mean I, I don't have anything against fraternities per se but um i just didn't think he was the right fit he wasn't a partier in high school he he didn't go to parties he, you know he played on a football team but he didn't go to football team parties and stuff like that. He was much more content hanging around with his friends playing video games. So it just, I just didn't think he was a good fit. Not, you know, not that I'm suggesting all fraternities are, are, are parties or whatever. I'm not saying that, but it just didn't seem like he was a good fit for it, mm-hmm. especially given what he had said about his roommates that had pledged. And him raising concerns of what they had to go through. Right. Yeah. Since Tim's death, Jim and Evelyn have been extremely active, seeking to spark a change in the very system and the precedents which killed their son. While they are not on a crusade against fraternities, they are trying to eliminate hazing in its entirety. I know you guys um, were very uh, very open in the media circuit about talking about what happened, and um, you leveraged it into trying to you know, make, uh, make changes. Um, can you just talk about your process after this all happened and what you guys have been doing? Yeah, I mean... Again, I I don't have necessarily a problem with the concept of fraternities, and I don't think we do in general. But we um, we've been talking to the 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 oversight organizations for fraternities and sororities, and, and a number of the national fraternity and sorority uh, leaders, and. As a result of that, we've been making presentations to national leadership conferences of fraternities and sororities, and we've probably spoken at, well, my wife has spoken at more than me, but my wife has probably spoken at 20 universities already, um, some of the largest universities in the country, um, to to Greek life about the the problems with with hazing and, and you know, how it can get it can get ugly and how it's criminal and um, you know I don't know if you want to add anything but I you know I think you probably touched 20,000 students at this point probably yeah I mean I've I've seen fraternities that are doing it right um, that that don't haze that have really good uh, you know fraternity advisors live-in advisors mm-hmm. good programs really good brotherhood and then you read, like today, about Georgia Southern and Delta Tau Delta. And that just is so disappointing and frustrating because we're trying so hard to spread this message and people aren't listening. I mean, some people aren't yeah. listening. It's very disheartening. I mean, part of the problem at, at Beta Theta Pi is the alumni that own the, uh, the house, they were bad guys. I mean, they they... 
they reintroduced the alcohol and, and all of this behavior into that house because that house was was kicked off campus for for several years and you know somebody came in and put I don't know I think ten million dollars into it mm-hmm. and it made it alcohol free and but this this group of alumni you know they brought it all back and then this group of students you know kind of uh, ramped you know up ramped it up and carried it out continue the tradition yeah I mean, we we even got a letter from one of the uh, the trustees from the alumni group that that was part of the the house corporation saying his son was a member of the fraternity you know he talked to Tim early in the night and then he left he wasn't there um but you know on the video he was there and he just pleaded guilty to furnishing today so um you know so that guy he he lied to us like right after it all happened he sent me a letter and lied to me Mm -hmm. um you know and, and he's a uh an executive at, at, a, at a large hospital in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, they were, they were just a bunch of bad guys, um, you know, and um, unfortunately I think it just, uh, you know, carried out the way it carried out. We've met some national leaders who are truly on board with stopping hazing, and they want to see a change. In the best interests of their organization. And I, they'll I, tell us. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. They'll they'll tell us. In many cases, it's the parents and the alumni. Uh, the alumni parents um, are the worst ones, and the ones that that want to keep that stuff going. Right. And they want to come back on football weekends, and they want to have these big these big blowouts. And in many cases, we understand that a lot of the alumni will actually haze the. the the new pledges as well, which is, which is crazy. It seems like you're not against Greek life. You're against the act of hazing, um, and you're looking for separation between those two, you know, abolish hazing, but there's no reason that the Greek system can't stand as it is. Yeah, I think, I think it's a fair statement. I think the way we look at it is let's help Greek life get better, and if it can't, it will take care of itself. We got the, the law passed in Pennsylvania to... Uh, uh, to stiffen the laws, um, we're working with the senator in New Jersey. Um, we're working with Texas. Uh, one of our uh, friends is working with uh, Georgia. They got Louisiana changed. Uh, we're talking to Ohio, uh, Indiana. So we've been we've been pretty active in working on a, a model state legislation. Um, and have talked to a number of states already about that legislation. But, you know, as, as you probably know, Pennsylvania has already been passed, mm-hmm. and Louisiana has been passed already. In the ensuing months, Jim and Evelyn have become aware of other details which indirectly contributed to Tim's death. We, on one of the presentations that, that we made at one of the universities, one of the um, advisors to a local Beta Theta Pi chapter came up to us and talked to us and apologized to us, of course. Mm-hmm. And he said he spoke to an insider at Penn State uh, who was relatively new, and I'm not, I won't name his name, but he said that person told him that Penn State was uh, the worst Greek life system he's seen in the country. So, I mean, it's, it's and that was now. You know, is that, that, is that in relation to hazing, to 
Um, just Hazing and, and, and the, just the overall, the drinking culture. Yeah. Um, and probably sexual offenses. And sexual offenses, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he just said it was, it was the, you know, the worst he's seen in the country. Um, and that was now. So you think about, if, if it, at the time it was a year and a half after, you know, Tim died. So mm-hmm. it was still very bad. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So is that, touching on that, does that have more to do with um, kind of the people who are, are in power, who are the up-and-ups um, that, that might have, say, with the IFC from Penn State, or is that more to do with just kind of the, the way things are conducted day-to-day in the fraternities themselves? Like, is it more of a systemic issue with people on the top, or is it the, you know, the, the groundwork that's been laid, the traditions that have been instilled in these, in these uh, fraternities that is the, you know, the, the main issue here? I will say I believe President Barron has has done a good job of trying to put things in place to change the culture, and he is uh, a very big proponent of changing the culture. I think he has some people working for him that you know are are trying to catch up and and work towards it as well. I'm not sure that they're the right people. Um, you know, the IFC is student run, so that's you know, they've got to step up and be leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've met the IFC, pre- the current IFC president, and uh, I had reached out to him. I had reached out to him a while ago and he kind of ignored my messages, but we, we, we met him when we were on campus. And I just said, look, you need to, you need to be the leader here and, and change this. And, you know, he said he understood, but, you know, we'll see. And now that the university is overseeing the IFC, that should help because now there is some say, Adult, adults adult are in charge. oversight. Yeah. Right. Because previously it was like the inmates running the jail. Right. But you still have to you still have to get the parents and the alumni to buy in and have the conversations with with their kids and and let them know this is not okay. You can't be doing this um, because that's that's still an uphill battle. I think it's still a fight that the university is dealing with. When speaking at universities, to Greek life, and to members of the IFC, the Piazzas are pushing an agenda of change, trying to teach the lessons they've had to learn without the consequences of losing someone that you love. Be a leader. Make the right decisions. They may not be the easy decisions. They might be very hard, but you know right from wrong. Make the right decision and don't stand for any of that nonsense. I mean, today, you know, these students are, are there's an awareness now, right, in the past two years that have been created. Absolutely. And, you know, so we, 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 we try to tell especially people that are of the pledging age. Um, if you're going to pledge a fraternity, go in with your eyes open. If they ask you to do something that doesn't seem right or seems uh, excessive, don't do it. Um, have, you know, have a pact with your pledge group and together say, no, we're not going to do it. And they're, they're not going to not let you all in because they need, they need new pledges to stay uh, financially, you know, uh, survive. Frankly, you know, they so, they need them more than the pledges need the fraternities themselves. 
Right. Exactly. So, you know, that's what we try to tell new pledges is just make a pact with your pledge group, but don't do it. Just don't do it. I mean, there's an awareness now. You know what can happen. I mean, you know, it, there's been enough of it and enough of the media and hopefully enough parents. The other thing we tell parents to do is talk to your kids, talk to them about being good people. And for some reason, if something does go wrong, call for help. Don't assume that somebody is just going to uh, be okay or, or don't be afraid you're going to get in trouble. Make a phone call. Call 911. It's easy to do. There's amnesty. There's amnesty if you do it. Um, you know, be a good person. You're I mean, never we, the bad guy for making the call. We, we know that if, if this happened and, and Tim was one of the, the, the guys that wasn't hurt, um, he, he couldn't live with himself if he didn't help the person. And I, I firmly believe he would have picked the person up and, and brought him to the hospital on his own. Um, but you know, we just, if parents would just drive into their kid's head to be good people, good human beings, I mean, we wouldn't be here today. And they shouldn't do anything to each other that they wouldn't do to their own brother or own sister. Like, if this is supposed to be a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a teammate, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do this to your own flesh and blood. So don't do it to somebody else. And everybody is loved and valued and appreciated by their family and friends. And if something goes wrong, and it can go wrong so quickly, and then people panic and they make poor decisions, so many lives will be so affected. So don't even put yourself in that position. But, but if you do, make call the call. Call for help. Make the call. Um, and we've, that's one of the things we've preached to people. I mean, most of the students that we've talked to are in Greek life already. And we've said to them, look, we know you've probably hazed somebody before and you've been hazed yourself before. But this day forward, make a pact with yourself and with your friends. That's it. Not on your watch. You're not going to do it anymore. And God forbid if something happens, you be the one to pick up the phone and make the phone call. And that's what we try to leave. So this is the reflection part of our podcast. Seb sat down with Dave Smith, um, an ex-fraternity president. I sat down with Piazzas, um, and we're going to go back and forth here about our experience talking with them, what we learned from them, and then comparing and contrasting um, what they had to say and the messages that they gave. So starting off, Seb, um, what was kind of your overall reaction from talking with Dave I just really respected the fact that he even sat down to talk. Um, I know, especially with everything that's happened here at Penn State, a lot of guys could be pretty resistant to doing interviews like this where they have to talk about tough topics. Um, but I think the one thing that really stood out to me was Dave saying, you know, people join for the wrong reasons and ruin it for fraternities, and they join to abuse the power that they have over pledges and stuff like that. Um, I definitely can see how that would happen. Um, having just a position of authority over someone else and kind of letting it get to your head. And unfortunately for Tim Piazzo is fatal. 
I really liked how Dave went into the reasons why um, he thought fraternities were important, um, and then conversely why he found what happened with the Piazza incident and with hazing in general um, so it was despicable. Uh, you know, it was nice to hear someone from Greek life um, acting as a mouthpiece and saying, you know, the reasons that I did this or for the Brotherhood. Um, it's important that we select people who reflect our chapters correctly um, and, and sort of talking about the values that they have within their frats. I think that's something that doesn't get brought up and should be brought up. There's there's two sides to every story. Um, and while this story that we told, unfortunately, is a, um, a dark one, it was good to hear someone come from that standpoint of, you know, there's a reason why we do this. There's a reason why the IFC exists, why fraternities exist, why we have this system set up. Um, and I guess just his reflection on, well, his, his telling of the, the night when he found out about what happened to Tim um, in particular was, was pretty harrowing. Um, hearing that come from someone who was involved in the organizations that sort of were the, I don't know how you want to call them, like, evils in this situation. Um, you just don't get that perspective a lot. Um, and I thought he, hearing that was, you know, it's good to have that other angle where it's not just, you know, what you hear on the news and what you see um, clickbait on Facebook or, or read about if you're going through the Wikipedia of what happened. So how about you interviewing the Piazzas? What was your biggest takeaway from that? Um, I, I was I was really impressed by how benevolent they were. Um, if you were to put yourself in their shoes and think about what they've gone through um, and how traumatic this entire experience was from the second that they found out through the court processions and the hearings and then them going on this sort of mini um, media tour trying to bring light to this situation and, um, you know, preach about their experience and, and, and try to stop it from happening again and their establishment of um, anti-hazing laws. The whole time they're on message about, you know, we don't have something against fraternities or Greek life. The villain here is hazing, and that's, you know, what killed their son. And, and, and to hear them be that, I don't want to necessarily say forgiving, but just, you know, so willing to try to fix this the same exact system and the same people who um, indirectly and directly led to their son's death just amazes me. Um, that level of, of compassion and wanting to fix the wrongs and, and, and make the system right just was um, astounding. And um, the anti-hazing law that has been enacted because of them, um, it categorizes hazing incidents based on the severity of them with the most severe instances leading to jail time um, in addition to fines and restitution costs. Um, and I think having legal framework that can imprison somebody for hazing is as much of a deterrent as you can get. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just amazing that they've, they've done this. Right. And I've been through the hazing. I've done the hazing. Um, but I've never had to deal with, you know, someone passing from it. These kind of consequences. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think the same thing. I think 
they're both very strong people to come out and say, like you said, not necessarily forgiving somebody, but saying, hey, we want to make you better people. We want this to be next. If, if this were to happen again, we would want it to be prevented. And that's the whole thing that I took away from that interview was, you know, this is preventable. Mm-hmm. These type of consequences are preventable if you take the right steps. And as a leader, as a brother, as someone part of a brotherhood, you should take those steps to do what's right, even if it means just losing what you could have. I think it's a lot better to just man up and say, I, I need to do the right thing here. I agree completely. To me, the most shocking part about this whole entire situation and what transpired was the fact that Tim lay hurting, dying in the basement for as long as he did, and so much time passed before help was called. Um, The situation was preventable from the start. It was preventable before the pledging event was scheduled. It was preventable... um, the first time Tim fell down the steps, the second time he fell down the steps, when he was lying in the basement, there were so many opportunities to prevent this from happening. Um, we have a soundbite from um, Jim Piazza, his dad, um, that kind of wraps this sentiment up. And they knew he needed help. I mean, if you look at the kids, one of the kids that pleaded guilty today, I mean, it's in, it's in the paper. That, yeah, he knew, and they, they begged other guys to, to allow them to get help, and they were they were told no. And that's where people need to be strong enough in their own convictions to say, you know what, I'm calling any help. Just leave the room, make the call, do the right thing. With every situation, there's good, there's bad, and there's ugly. Um, this situation is uglier than most by all metrics. But having Dave on here to talk about uh, fraternities and why he would join one, the values that they want to uphold, and the reasons why he believes in that system, and having the Piazzas on here to talk about the circumstances that led to their son's death and the hazing, um, we hope that we've really established a nice, clear, and concise idea of where Greek life stands today um, in relation to hazing and pledging. Um, we'd like to especially thank Dave for coming on. We'd also like to thank, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Piazza. We absolutely could not have put this piece together without them. Um, their willingness to sit down with us and talk and be open about a situation that Lord knows how difficult it was to talk about, um, was paramount to the success of this project. And we want to thank them. Um, and also thank the rest of our classmates who put a lot of time and effort into developing, this um, podcast series. So, Seb, any last words? I think that's all. I just want to thank the Piazzas and Dave. Um, Dave, like you said, for coming on and being able to show the good in fraternities and the Piazzas for coming on and being able to give their son the voice that, you know, unfortunately he no longer has. So thank you guys so much. And as well as the classmates, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Signing off, friend Seb. Seb.